0: Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Luke. Most of you know that I'm not a traditionalist. I don't just traditionally do things because the season is upon us, but the Lord has given me a message for this season that actually goes along with the season that we are in, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to get the opportunity today to share that with you, and uh I'm excited because it, it turned not only into one message, but it turned into a series, a three-sermon series that I pray we can get through. I've got a lot of notes today, but I'm going to fly to the best of my ability, try to stick to my notes so that I don't miss the details. So this is being the opening, um, uh, the opening sermon. Uh, there's a little backdrop and stuff I want to give on this one The others will just get right into, but... I've got a a sermon series titled, and they're going to put it up on the screen for us, called The Three C's of the Advent. The Three C's of the Advent. And I'll call for that second screen when the time is right. The Three C's of the Advent. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Luke, the first chapter. This word advent is interpreted or or given the, the meaning is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. I've heard this term used for years and years and years and didn't really bother to take the time. I knew it had to do with Christmas, but I didn't really know what the word advent meant because it it, it is highly associated with with the Catholic Church. And so, but when I looked it up, I went, realized that this word is for all men, for all times. The advent, the arrival of a notable person. How many thinks that this is the season of the arrival of a notable person? It also means looking forward to, looking forward to that arrival, looking forward with anticipation to that event, looking forward with with great uh, desire in your heart For what is about to come. And so in Genesis, the third chapter, God gave us a promise that the seed of the woman or the Son of Man would come and crush the head of the serpent. The one that talked Eve out of her rights and talked Adam out of or into rebellion is the one that we're anticipating. We're anticipating the one who will come and crush the enemy of man who showed up in the garden and robbed man of his dominion. It was prophesied and rumored and anticipated from Genesis, the third chapter, for 4,000 years, the promises of God Have been spoke of that there's one coming, the son of man, the deliverer, the Messiah, the Mashiach who will come. And when he comes and he lands upon the earth, his heel will land upon the head of the serpent and crush the enemy of man. How many thinks that's an Advent. Now that's something to look forward to. That's a that's something that that we we've all anticipated. And I'm looking forward to the second advent of Christ. I'm looking for the second coming of Christ. I've got the first one to look back to and one to look forward to. And I don't know about you, but we live in the most wonderful opportune time because we're in between two advents. We can look back and see the last one. And may I remind you that I believe it was in 2015 that appearing over the sky was the same star and the same sign in the heavenlies that happened 2,000 years ago in the first advent, which lets us know that there are signs being hung in the heavens for us to remind us that the first advent has already happened, but the second one is yet to be birthed. Mm, I'm having fun already, and I have already got away from my notes. So it's been prophesied, rumored, and anticipated for 4,000 years, but how many understand that the promises of God are often veiled in time delay? At least what we think is time delay. It's always on time with God, but for us, it often seems delayed, and when God gives us either the whole body a promise or you individually a promise, it always feels like it should happen tomorrow. But how many have had God speak something to you and it took a while for that to come to pass in your life? And how 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 antsy we get. How nervous we get. Now for 4000 years it's been rumored. And the prof- prophets have one by one systematically taken the time to let us know that This promise that was given to us in the uh, third chapter of Genesis in the garden is still upon God's mind, and he spoke it through Isaiah. He spoke it through all of the prophets. Mm. But now, Israel is out of a 400-year silence, They're they're in a place where there's been no prophetic word uttered for 400 years. It's that that place of, how do I want to say this? Because I don't have this in my notes. It is in that place of transition. That place where a promise is about to be birthed. The waiting has been there. The labor pains are vivid And we know that something is about to take place. Suddenly, after 400 years of prophetic silence, like the 400 years of bondage that Moses led the Egyptian and the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, suddenly, signs have come to a small remnant. Suddenly, after 400 years of silence, there's angelic appearances. Suddenly there's angelic appearances. Suddenly there's cosmic signs in the heavenlies in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Suddenly there are announcements that are being made by angels proclaiming that he's coming to both the noble and the peasant. Miraculous events are happening, such as Zechariah and Elizabeth, who Elizabeth is far too old to be having children, yet she's got the promise of God and and being impregnated in her old age. There are prophetic utterances yet to come from Zechariah, Simeon, and Anna. The stage was being set for the advent of the most notable person to ever visit planet Earth. The person upon whose shoulders was carried the government of God, who came to set the stage for the greatest event of all history in mankind. The removal of sin, the fulfillment of the law, the resurrection from death and the personification or indwelling of all who will just say yes to him. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the, the word is telling us in the backdrop of the time that we're about to enter into the word of God. Let's us know that he's being announced. He's on the way. 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 I've been hearing he's on the way since I was a child and never have I anticipated it more than I anticipated today. I still hear that cry in my heart. I wake up every morning, go, he's on his way. He's on his way. I feel. Th- feel in my in my character in my bones in my being in my soul in my spirit I live every day for the 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 over uh, how do I want to say this for the outpouring of revival I live every day knowing that God is on his way the deliverer is coming the deliverer is coming and there are people who are still in need there are people who are still short of the glory of God there are people both inside the walls and outside of the walls that are in desperate need for him to arrive and I've never had more of an anticipation in my heart and in my life than I do right now in 2018 and about to be 2019 with each year the anticipation grows for that great advent when God will come and return for his children but in first century Israel it is a time of frustration and anguish and Roman occupation. They've been invaded by secular idol worshipers who scorn God's law. They are under siege to Rome. And even though Israel is allowed to be self-governed, they're only self-governed so much because Rome is watching over all of their activity and weighing all that they do and suspicious of their motives at all times. They're dealing with occultic, perverse, unnatural, inaffection, overindulgent, entertainment based, self serving, self pleasing people that they've not had to deal with before. I would go into great detail on that, but I'm moving on. The church and the kingdom felt opposed and ridiculed and repulsed by the invaders. Rome ruled with an iron fist. Crucifixion and body torching and scourgings were done publicly to keep the people subservient in fear to Rome. The church was frustrated, and yet it profited from kickbacks from both governments, Rome and Herod. Both Herod and Caiaphas, the high priest, Feared any uprising within the people. They were afraid that if there was an uprising, the nation would be in jeopardy. The commonwealth or the people of Israel were taxed heavily and repulsed by Rome. And in fear of Rome's influence on their youth. Overtaken by Roman perverse influences. And there is an undercurrent of both rebellion and righteous indignation. And out of these are formed such groups as the zealots who want an uprising, and they want an overthrow, and they want to overthrow Rome and take back what rightfully belongs to Israel. And they don't mind murdering to do it. Their king, Herod, is a puppet. The church is a taskmaster with its own versions of punishments. Both the king and the church fear any uprising for fear of losing their sovereignty and dignity as a nation. The people are chanting and wanting and murmuring and complaining and talking and stirring an excitement underneath it all about a deliverer. The government and the church want appeasement. Did you hear that? The government and the church want to just appease Rome. But there's great civil unrest, and Roman soldiers are watching every move of every person. The time, the temperature, and the tenure of Rome has set up the perfect moment for the arrival or advent of the deliverer. Matthew 22 and 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. This is the parable of the wedding feast. And in this parable, it is a call to Israel to recognize that their moment and their Messiah has come to them. And if they're not awake and understanding and discerning the season that they are in, they will miss the time of their visitation. They will miss their assignment for a godly world order. Today's message is called... The call of the advent. The call of the advent. Look at this. Look with me to Luke, the first chapter. Since, as is well known, many have undertaken to put in order and to draw up a thorough narrative of the surely established deeds which have been accomplished and fulfilled in and among us. Exactly as they were handed down to us by those who from the official beginning of Jesus' ministry were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, that is, of the doctrine concerning the attainment through Christ of salvation in the kingdom of God. And it seemed good and desirable to me, and so I have de- I have uh, determined also after having searched out diligently and followed all these things closely and traced accurately the course from the highest to the the minutest detail from the very first to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. That's kind of a strange place to start. We're not going to stay there. We're going to move on. So get ready for verse 26. But I wanted to share this with you. It's just, a, just a, a little side note in history. This entire book of Luke was written to chronicle the life of Jesus for one man named Theophilus. Aren't you glad that Luke took the time to write this letter to Theophilus so that you and I could be blessed throughout the ages by the writings of this wonderful letter? So that brings to question, who is Theophilus? Well, there's a lot of argument as to who Theophilus might be. Actually, the truth is no one really knows for sure. He could have been a lawyer to Paul to help him with some of his legal troubles with Rome and there to get factual evidence to help Paul in his mission. He may have very well been a Roman statesman that they were trying to gain favor with. But the most likely, I think, is that he was an influential Gentile who supported Paul's ministry. And they took the time to put the life of Christ in order for this Gentile to understand not only the gift of salvation, but the order to the kingdom of God and the order to the life of Jesus Christ and why his coming was so important. Hmm. Now look with me to Luke, the first chapter. The 26th verse. We're going to read all the way to verse 56. I'm trying to decide which one to read it out of. Let's read out of the Amplified. Now, in the sixth month after that, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, of course, we're picking up in the middle of the story. What has happened is that, that Elizabeth and Zechariah, Zechariah was in the temple. God told him that Elizabeth would have a child, even though she was far beyond childbearing years. And that has come to pass. And now the angel is visiting sweet Mary. Hmm. To a girl never having been married and a virgin engaged to be married to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Hail, O favored one. How many like to have God come and just say that to you? Mm. Hail, O favored one, endued with grace. Look at that. God was already working in grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed, favored of God, are you before all other women. Verse 29. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled. How many would be troubled if an angel was standing before you? She was greatly troubled and disturbed and confused at what he said and kept revolving in her mind with such a, what such a great might this mean. Such a greeting might this mean. I'll get it out. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found grace, free, spontaneous, absolute favor, and loving kindness with God. And listen, you will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And there will be a great imminent, and he will be great. Imminent, and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his forefather David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob throughout the ages, and of his reign there shall be no end. Now, can you imagine a young fourteen-year-old girl? This is what what history tells us that she was somewhere around fourteen. Can you imagine a fourteen-year-old girl hearing this? then the angel said to her, and Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I have no intimacy with any man as a husband? And then the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you like a shining cloud. And so the holy, pure, sinless thing or offspring which shall be born of you will be called the Son of God. And listen. Your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is now the sixth month with her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing is ever impossible, and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Pay strict attention to this verse. Let it Be done to me according to what you have said. And the angel left her. And at that time, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she went to the house of Zechariah and entering in saluted Elizabeth. And it occurred when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and exclaimed, Blessed, favored of God, above all other women are you. And blessed, favored of God, is the fruit of your womb. And And how have I deserved that this honor should be granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Oh, come on now. The Holy Spirit's revealing things. Discernment is happening. Verse 44, for behold, the, the instant, the sound of your salutation reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Mm-hmm. That makes a old Pentecostal boy want to run through the house. Verse 45, and blessed and happy and to be envied is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of the things that were spoken to her from the Lord. Ooh, Elizabeth is saying, Mary, you've got great faith. Verse 46, and Mary said, my soul magnifies and extols the Lord. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling church coming on right there. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, verse 48, for he has looked upon the low station and humiliation of his handmaiden. For behold, from now on, all generations of all ages will call me blessed and declare me happy and to be envied. For he who is almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name to be venerated in his purity, majesty, and glory, and his mercy, his compassion, and his kindness toward the miserable and the afflicted is on those who fear him with godly reverence from generation to generation and age to age. He has shown strength and made might with his arm. He has scattered the proud and haughty in and by the imagination and the purpose And designs of their heart. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of low degree. He has filled and satisfied the hungry with good things and the rich. He has sent away empty handed without a gift. This verse 54. He who has laid a hold of his servant Israel to help him to espouse his cause is in remembrance of his mercy even as he promised to our forefathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, for about three months and returned to her own home. The story goes on about Elizabeth delivering John, the child filled with the Holy Ghost, in the womb. Mm. I'm about to break apart. I'm having fun, and I haven't got started yet. So let's just start here quickly. I won't go into a long discourse. Zechariah serving in the temple. He's doing the duties of the high priest when an angel appears and tells him that his wife, who's far beyond childbearing years, shall bear a son. You know the story, for some reason in his heart he had doubt even though God was standing before him by the presence of an angel to tell him. Somehow he had doubt in his heart and so the angel struck him dumb. The power of God left him without the ability to speak until the appointed day that he would align himself with the miracle of God. Elizabeth became pregnant with John the Baptist, the only person who was ever born spirit-filled. The rest of us, we we have to make our way to God and find him that way. But John was born already prepared. John was born already prepared to be what it is that God wanted him to be. Now, John still had a choice and he still had a will and he still had to align himself. But from the time John was born, even in the womb, he knew that he had a call of God. There's nothing more exciting than to be called by God. Who could say amen to that? Six months into her pregnancy, she's in the place of the promise when Mary gets a visitation. The virgin who's engaged. Can you imagine, ladies and gentlemen, those of you who are my age, can you imagine letting your 14-year-old get engaged in our day and age that is taboo, but in, in, in first century times that was allowable. In verse 28, the announcement comes, Mary, you're favored by God above all other women. I don't know about you, but I remember when, the God, when God called me, I was a 12-year-old boy laying in my bed one night, and I was listening to uh, an eight-track tape. I just, I just aged myself. I was laying in my room, and my room didn't have any doors except swinging doors like an old bar room. So there was no privacy in my room, and I was laying in my room, and I was laying there one night in bed, and I was praying unto God, and I was seeking his face, and I was telling God how wonderful he is, and I was listening to uh, the Bill Gaither Trio and several other artists, Doug and different ones that were on there, and they were singing, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. And I was so caught up in that moment. I was worshiping, laying there in my bed. Tears were running down my eyes and into my ears. And that makes a good country song, but it also makes a good worship song. And I was laying on my back. I wasn't crying over some broken love or I wasn't jilted by some ex-lover. I was laying there in love with the one and only love of my life, the greatest love I would ever know. And I was worshiping him when I heard the Holy Spirit for the first time that I'd ever heard the voice of God speak to me and say, I want you to preach. And I said, but God, I'm only 12 years old. And as plain as I'm talking to you right now, the Holy Spirit said to me, if you'll open your mouth, I will speak for you. He took all my excuses away right then. Now, most of you think I probably went on and lived a great godly life and was just the antithesis that's a fancy word of holiness. Everywhere I went, ah, no. No, I wrestled with my flesh and wrestled with who I was. And I was in one day and out the next and rode the altar for years before I finally got my heart right. And when I got my heart right with God, I was about 16 years old. And I said, I'm going to give God everything, but I don't want to preach. And I started traveling with a a gospel quartet and traveled and sang the songs of Zion and was happy doing it. And every once in a while, God would poke at me a little bit, and I'd be in church, and I don't know why everybody around me would be bored and picking their fingernails when the pastor was preaching, but I was always on the edge of my seat going, come on, come on, come on, and there were times I wanted to jump up there and add something to what he had to say. Little did I know that it was the inner calling on my life. It was the thing that God had called me to. It was the station for the remainder of my life, and I was well up in almost 30 years old before I started preaching. I was, I didn't really even start preaching truly until I became a senior pastor. I could name on one hand the times that I preached before God put me here. And all of my preaching had to be developed on the fly. Because people would look at me every week going, are you going to preach? But when God places a call upon your life, it is irrevocable. It doesn't change, and it never goes away. It can be ignored, but it never goes away. Let me get back to the story. In verse 28, the announcement comes. You're favored by God. Here comes the call. If there's anything in life that's exciting, it's when you understand you're called. You're called by God. You may not be called to stand behind the pulpit, but ladies and gentlemen, you're called by God. You may be called to the ministry of helps. You may be called to witnessing on the street. You may be called to be an encouragement into someone else's life. You may be that person that people always gravitate to for advice. You know why? Because God gifted you and called you, and he wants to use you. Mary, she gets this visitation and the announcement now she's pondering in verse 29, what is this? What is this that the, the angel is saying to me? And the angel tells her in verse 30, God knows you and God trusts you. And in verse 31, he tells her the most crazy news. Remember, she's just a virgin girl. She is engaged. She will one day be married. We don't know how far off that engagement was supposed to be. But we do know this. God said to her, girl, you're going to have a child. Mm -hmm. That would mess with you. You're going to have a child. God's child. Not just a child. God's child. Now, what would that do to you? What kind of a call was this? How many people does God say this to? Verse 33, and he will be a king without end. He's not just a baby, and he's not just God's baby. He is a king. Goodness gracious. Verse 34, in her mind she goes, "What? how? I'm not sexually active. How does this happen? How could this happen? Verse 35, it'll be the work of the Holy Spirit. He'll overshadow you, and you'll be impregnated with God's son. Verse 36, and the sign to you will be, remember your cousin Elizabeth, too old for children. Oh, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. This is your sign, Mary, to know that what I'm telling you is the truth. This is the sign that you can go and wrap your mind around that lets you know that your faith is intact. Verse 37, for nothing is impossible with God go check it out. In verse 38, this is the most significant of all these verses. She says, I accept God's will for me. Let it be done. The angel was finished and he left, but in her heart, she had already made the choice. God, I want your words. As a 12-year-old boy, yes, I had a lot of stumblings and I had a flesh to deal with. But the truth is, I accepted the call that night yeah. when God said, open your mouth, I'll speak for you. I said, okay, Lord. Yeah. My call was settled that night. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Her will had to be involved. Her permission was granted. Why? Why? Because God never overrides a person's will. He will not. He created you a free moral agent. He's given you the right to pick and choose. This is why we're in the state we're in today, because of what Adam chose in the garden. And the reason that we're in the state we're in today as believers is because Mary said yes. This miracle would be worthless if Mary was perpetrated upon and forced against her will. God is not a taskmaster or abusive. Had she rejected this opportunity, God would have sought another. But God already knew Mary's answer. He who knows the beginning from the end. He knew what he would find in Mary's heart. And ladies and gentlemen, can I remind you, she said yes. Mm. Then in verse 39, she rushes off to see if what the angel told her about Elizabeth was true. This is where this gets good for me. Mm. She comes in, she goes, hello, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, baby, leaped. Some of the greatest things in my life that have happened to me when God is moving. Just like today when I was standing here before you and God moved in this place, and I'm sorry, I know I look like a hog on ice, but when I feel the power of God moving and there are angels dancing in the building, I'm not going to stand by and do nothing. And it may not have been a pretty spectacle spectacle on your part, but on my part, it was the most beautiful place I could be as I stood in the presence of God. My inner man was leaping. There was something in my belly leaping and shouting, there is a God and he is here there is a God and he is here there is a God and he is here yes. wow Thank you, Father. and when she said hello the baby leaped the first Holy Ghost experience was released from a child in the womb the carrier of the promise had stepped into the room and the child recognized that the Messiah was near This child had just been sired. This child had just been placed there by the Holy Spirit. It hadn't developed yet, but when she walked in, her faith came in with her, and when she walked into the room, the baby already born of promise, filled with the Holy Ghost. Other babies wouldn't have jumped, but this one jumped because it recognized who he was. It recognized the presence of the Messiah in the room, and this baby leaped. This baby was to be the forerunner. This baby had a call before it was born. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Man, I'm having fun. i got to hurry. The carrier of the promise was in the room. The Messiah at the conception of Mary's acceptance and obedience is already affecting the lives of others. And Mary came seeking a sign and entered into a Holy Ghost revival meeting. Confirmation of all the angel had said was now solidified in her heart. It's true. Elizabeth the impossible is now possible through God. Her Holy Ghost filled child is already proving his destiny. Responding to and leaping for his position as the forerunner of the Messiah. Which puts a phrase in my heart. I've never met the songwriter but I know him. Oh, Mary, did you know? Oh, Mary, did you know? Well, yes, we know that she received, but did she know the fullness? I doubt she really, truly understood the fullness. Yet when she's standing here with Elizabeth, oh, the first thing that comes out of Elizabeth's mouth as the baby leaps in her, she begins to speak a prophetic utterance about the child that is within her womb and how blessed Mary is for having taken on this station in life. Mm. (laughs) And they go on and they prophesy. But Mary, did you know? Did you understand what the angel was telling you? That you would deliver the deliverer. Mary, you were not only called, but you were chosen. Mary, did you know? Mary... Did you understand you, the lowly peasant girl, would birth a king? Not only a king, but the king of all kings? Mary, do you really understand this is God's child? This is Genesis 3's promise come to pass. What Eve failed to do by disobedience, you, Mary, have accomplished by being obedient. You have altered the future, Mary. You will birth hope for mankind. You will deliver the Prince of Peace. You will provide Israel and the world with the everlasting Lamb of the eternal sacrifice. You will deliver the word to the world. I don't know if you caught that. You will deliver the word. For in the beginning was the... Word. Oh, You will deliver the word to the scholars of the word. Those who will argue throughout the centuries and who've been arguing the word when you're 12 years old. I don't know if you understand this, Mary, but when he's 12, he's going to confound them. He's going to mess them up. He's going to walk into the middle of them. And when they think they're so smart, a 12-year-old child's going to tell them things that they can't even fathom. Because he is the word. Oh, you will birth the fulfillment of the law, putting the final period and the exclamation point on God's intention of the law. You will birth the lion of the tribe of Judah, the judge of all mankind. You will swaddle and hold and hold in your arms Yahweh. You will give way to the establishment of Of an everlasting kingdom. You will give him. A commoner's name Yeshua. While his father God calls him. Emmanuel. God with man. You have given God entrance into our lives again Mary. You have fulfilled the prophecy of his birth. In ten places. In the canonization of the word. And in vivid detail in Isaiah seven fourteen, for God will give you a sign for a virgin shall conceive a son and call his name Emmanuel. Mary's call altered the world. Mary's call altered history and time and eternity and the heart condition of man and the outcome of eternal judgment. Mary's call altered the law. Mary's call made a way back to God, a peasant girl, a 14-year-old child. She received her call from the law looking forward to grace. But you and I receive our call from grace looking backward to this moment in time. The appearance of our Savior. As it was for Mary, it is for all believers now in grace. Our calling is but an obedience accepted, an assignment to be carried out, a mission to be birthed, a world to be altered. If God interrupted your world and asked you to accept his plan, would you accept? Or would you request God to go find someone else? Passion Church, our mission is all around us. The call has been given by Christ himself in Matthew 28. That we take the Prince of Peace into our world. That we take the healer of the body, soul, and spirit to those who haven't met him yet. To take grace and deliver them from their torment. To take his dominion and put the devil in his place. Do any of these things make your baby leap? When you get the opportunity to share Christ with someone, does your baby leap? Mm. When you get the opportunity to share your testimony with somebody, does your baby leap? When you get the opportunity to sit underneath a bridge with a homeless person and hand them a meal that they haven't had in two weeks? Does your baby leap? Pastor Colleen and I know what it is to stand outside of an abortion clinic protesting but not protesting with ugliness in our heart but protesting the loss of a life of a child because we understand how the Messiah was a child had he been aborted the world would have been lost and every child counts and every life counts And we've stood outside of those places with great compassion upon the people who are going in to end an unwanted pregnancy. Not there to condemn them, but to love them and to try to convince them not to throw away the great gift of God that's been placed within their life. I know what it is to have my baby leap when a drug addict says I've had enough and they turn to Christ I know what it is to have my baby leap when I get a call at midnight from an alcoholic trapped in Kansas City who's tired and tired and been there so many times and he's tired and he's worn out and he's sick of himself and he's sick of what he does and he's sick of how he's destroying his life. And he says, Pastor, can you come get me? And it takes me an hour to get to him. But I load up in my car in the midnight hour and I drive to that person and I pick them up off the street and I bring them back to the place of safety and my baby leaves. There's nothing like the call of God. There's nothing like God's call upon your life. And, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that everyone under the sound of my voice is called. But only those who accept the mission are chosen. Only those who say yes. Only those. And I want you to understand what God has assigned for us to do is far beyond anything we've ever done. Where God is about to take us in this community hasn't been done in this community. What God desires here has never been demonstrated. What God wants here is for our eyes to open up and to see the angels in the room our eyes to open up and understand that God is with us. We don't start worshiping those things. We keep our focus where it belongs. When healings manifest, when people haven't even been touched, it'll make your baby leap that God is in the room. The Deliverer has come. And as I said in the on start of this this message, That in, I believe it was 2015, the star of Bethlehem that hadn't shown in 2,000 years, once again took the skies. He's coming again. And he says he's going to leave a remnant of people on the earth for a period of time to get things done before he comes which means the signs of his coming are here. It means there's no time for us to delay, but there's there's only time for us to accept his will, to accept his call, and stop being called and start being chosen and going out and doing what it is God's called us to do. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, help you win, all about building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website, passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.